I want to speak to you about tomorrow. Just that one word about tomorrow. You know, you never know what a day will bring forth. Have you noticed that life is full of surprises? Have you noticed that our circumstances are constantly changing? Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worst. And you know, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves being controlled by our circumstances or being controlled by the surprises. You know, it is so tragic that many people spend their life mourning over their past and worried about their future. But the problem is, if you're mourning over your past, and we all have regrets, we all have pages that we wish we'd never written, but we know that he loves us and forgives us. But then at the same time, if you keep anxious and concerned and worried, well, what's going to happen to this person or later? What we're doing is we're missing today. We're missing it. We're mourning over the past and anxious about the future. But the only day that we know we have is the day we're living right now. And so what God wants us to do, and his word says, that we are to live in the now. You know, it, it is part of um, human nature to procrastinate. Now, and I know that's a long word, but it means that I'm going to put it off as long as I can. Well, I know I need to do this. I know I need to call her or him. I know I need to minister to this person or I know I need to make some changes in work but I'll do it tomorrow I'll do it later oh I have every intention of doing it but I'm just not going to do it right now I've got other things on my plate and so we're constantly procrastinating and putting things off till tomorrow that God wants us to do today because this is the only day you're absolutely promised, and everything can change in one day. I think it's human nature, really. It's just part of our lives to procrastinate. And the greatest example of that, in fact, it, it is not only an example, but it's humorous, is the story of Moses and Pharaoh. And it's in Exodus chapter 8. Verse 1 through 15. By the way, um, you're going to notice in this uh, passage that it's about uh, when God sent the plague of frogs uh, to, to the Egyptians. And uh, you'll read it in the story. But the other day, uh, in fact, this past week, Bo, uh, he thinks that dead roach bugs are things to play with. And so they spray, and you know, and they all die in the garage, and Lord have mercy, he, he, he flips them and flips them, and then he eats them. And I tell him, it's poison, son, don't do that. But you're not going to believe this. About four days ago, he comes in the, in the house, and he's got something in his mouth, 
And I said, oh, no, it's another roach. You know what it was? A miniature frog. A little frog. And it was just as dead as it could be and had crystallized, thank God. And if I hadn't have got it, he'd have ate that frog. And who knows what would have happened to him. So you pray for him. He has great needs. <laughs> but let's read this passage. And I want to show you how it's human nature to wait till tomorrow. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Now, the time has come. God has appeared to Moses at the burning bush and told Moses to go to Pharaoh and to tell him to let God's people go. In bondage to the Egyptians, 400 years, making bricks in the sun, and to make it harder, they wouldn't give them straw to make the bricks easy to fix. And so they were in an absolute uh, a sense of being tortured. And these were the people of God. These were the Israelites. And God said, Moses, you go tell him, Pharaoh, I said, let my people go. And, and, and Moses said, well, who shall I say has sent me? And he said, I tell him, I am has sent you. And then you take uh, Aaron with you. And, uh, and Aaron will be doing what you tell him to do. So he goes. Now the first plague was that God turned the water into blood. And for about seven days. But Pharaoh hardened his heart. Or God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he wouldn't let him go. Then the second one was the plague of frogs. And that's the one we're going to look at today. But the third one, I've got to mention this was the plague of lice. And I looked that word up, and that word can also mean gnats. I think we're in a plague right now in Mobile. <laughs> you go outside, and they're in your eyes, they're in your ears, they're in your nose. I mean, it's unbelievable. They're multiplying. And I, but I'm just saying, I, that was, I, if I'd have been a, 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 an Egyptian, I'd say, y'all get out of here. I can't take these gnats. But anyway... So let's keep reading. And the Lord spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go that I, they may serve me. But if you, if, you, if, you refuse to, if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. All right? So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, and into your mixing bowls, covered with frogs. Let's read on. And the frogs shall come on you and your people and on all your servants. And the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams and over the rivers and over the ponds and cause the frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the, now, you see, um, the, the main thing of ten plagues was God was going to show to the Egyptians that he was the, the, the only God and greater than any Egyptian God. So when they turned the water to blood, Pharaoh called for his magicians, and they were able to do the same thing. And now, when he had the plague of frogs, they called for his magicians, and they were able to sue the same thing. Now, as you get down toward the 10th plague, it's a totally different thing. 
And the, magi- and the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up fra- frogs on the land of Egypt. All right? Finally, uh, Pharaoh got, re- th- th- this is the first time he really got shook up. He got tired of those frogs. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord. Would you speak to the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and my people? And I will let the people go that they may sacrifice, that they may worship the Lord. All right? And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying, When shall I intercede for you? When do you want me to talk to God on your behalf about the frogs? Accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you and for your servants and for your people to destroy the frogs from you and your houses that they may remain in the river only. Moses said, Pharaoh said, you you tell God to stop the frogs and I'll let your people go. Moses said, okay, now let me have the honor. When do you want me to tell God to get rid of the frogs? (laughs) And look at what he said. How do you spell stupid? (laughs) S-T-U-P-I-D. And he said, tomorrow, give me a break. Tomorrow? He could have looked Moses in the eye. He said, 30 minutes. I want him out of here in 30 minutes. Oh, no. Tell the Lord to get rid of them tomorrow. So he had made a choice for everybody to spend another night with the frogs. That makes absolutely no sense. And he said, tomorrow. And he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. No one like the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from you and from your houses and from your servants and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh. And Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses and the courtyards and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart again and would not heed them, as the Lord had said. Now, you you and I both know that why in the world didn't he say to Moses, listen, I've had enough of them. Tell the Lord to get rid of them now. Now. No. He said tomorrow. Can you imagine when Pharaoh went home that night to go to bed? His wife said, well, what's the latest on the frogs? And and he said, well, we're going to get rid of them. And, uh, And Moses said he'd do it and asked me when he wanted me to do it. And I told him to do it tomorrow. And she looked at him. And said, are you telling me that I'm going to crawl in that bed and there are going to be frogs all around my feet again tonight? Why didn't you say today? He looked at her and said, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But you know, that's a sign of human nature. We laugh at Pharaoh, but God speaks to our heart about things that he wants us to do. And we say, well, Lord, I want you to know I will do it tomorrow and then tomorrow comes and the Holy Spirit moves on our heart again about something to do and we say well I'll do it tomorrow but tomorrow never seems to come and procrastination becomes into a becomes a disturbing and debilitating thing 
in our life. You know, oh, the Bible warns us. You know, the Bible tells us that we're to warn believers. And, and that they may be exactly what God wants them to be and to do. So today I'm going to warn you about the danger of living in tomorrow. And not being today what God wants you to be. Now, should I warn you? Look at Colossians 1, 27 and 28. Then God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said God has revealed the mystery. And it's this, that the same Jesus that dwelled with the Jewish people is now dwelling with the Gentiles. And he's saying to the Gentiles, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now listen to what he says in the next verse. Him we preach. He said, we preach Jesus. We preach Jesus. We don't preach about him. We preach about who he is, what he is, who he is now, that he's alive, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the ever-present son of God. And so him we preach. And let me tell you something. If you preach a message in a, in a Christian church and you don't talk about Jesus, something's bad wrong with you. Because Jesus is the message. He is the message. It's all about Jesus. We wouldn't be here if Jesus hadn't been born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross and rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Christianity is all about Jesus. It's not about religion. It's about Jesus. He said, him we preach, warning every man. Paul said, we're warning people. We're warning them. We're warning them to take heed now to what God is saying and what God is doing. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man mature in Christ. Well, so one thing that God is warning us about, about living today and not putting everything off till tomorrow. Now, here's a great verse I want you to look at. It's 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. Now, you know, for a long time, I thought this was written to unbelievers. But I remember when Manly Bleasley came to preach at our church about 20 years or 25 years ago. I don't know when it was. And he preached on this verse, and he said, this verse was not written to unsaved people. It was written to believers. And and, and he said, you go read chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. It's all about Christians. It's all about being a new creation in Christ. It's all about what God has done with you. And then he says in chapter 6, verse 1, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't receive all the grace that God has given you in vain. So let me read that. He, He said, we then as workers together with him, he's talking about Christians, plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. The grace of God that has brought you salvation. The grace of God that is at work in your life. God doing for you what you don't deserve and could never do for yourself. He said, we plead with you, do not receive the grace of God in vain. And then he says it. In an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. But then he says it. Behold, now is the accepted time. 
Now, he didn't say, but tomorrow is the accepted time. He said, but now is the accepted time. And now is the day of salvation. And so Christianity is the Christianity, is the following of Jesus in the now. And if we're not following Jesus every day, we've received the grace of God in vain. And if we're putting off to tomorrow what God has worked in us to do, we're receiving the grace of God in vain. And you know, you say, well, Brother Fred, you can't do everything that you need to do every day. I agree. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can do what God tells you to do. You can tell what God tells you to do. And by the way, God will never give you too much to do in one day than you can do. Now, if, you, if you're all frustrated and overwhelmed and I don't have time for nothing, I'm, I'm meeting myself coming and going, I, I'm, just, I'm just not enough hours in the day, I'm telling you, you must be doing some things God does not want you to do. Because he's not going to give you more to do than you can do in a day. And so we need to learn to let the Holy Spirit lead us as to what we need to do today. Now, let me give you a verse that, 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 that says that. And, and I want you to get, get this in your heart. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Now, this is so important. Therefore, my beloved brethren, as you've always obeyed, not just when I was present with you, but now you're obeying much more in my absence. Now look at what it says. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out what God has worked in you with fear and trembling. And look at the next verse. For it is God, verse 13, it says, it says, verse 13, it says, for it is God now listen, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But then look what it says in this verse. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his, your good, of his good pleasure. So all I have to do is to work out by the power of the Holy Spirit in my life what God has worked in to my life. Now you've got to get this. He said, now you're saved, and now's the day of salvation. It is now. It's the accepted time. And it says, listen, God is working in you if you're saved. He's working in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. So what God works in, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, you know what we're supposed to do today? What God works in us by the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit speaks to us and impresses us, speaks to us through his word, speak to us with that still small voice, what God works in us, we're supposed to work it out today. All right. So I want to talk to you about the importance of working out our own salvation with fear and trembling that God has worked in us and we're to work it out with, by the Holy Spirit's power. And we're to do it one day at a time. Now, why is it important to be people of, of the now and not tomorrow? Well, I'm going to mention a couple of things that are very obvious. You know one reason why you need to do today what God works in you? Because 
uh, the brevity of life? Has it occurred to you that life is very short? Very short. You say, well, oh, Brother Fred, you, you had not been reading the latest medical German, uh, journals. You, you haven't read the obituaries lately. People are living to be 90 years old. Well, let me ask you a question. What's 90 years in light of eternity? <laughs> and most, uh, once you passed 80, you just hope you got your mind till you're 90. <laughs> That's exactly right. And most of the time, after 80, you're just fighting to, to, to make it another day. Listen, any way you look at it, I want to tell you this. Life is short. Compared to eternity, you are living a short life, I'm telling you. The Bible makes that clear. Boy, you read the book of James. Oh, man. Every one of us need to hear this. It says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. We will spend a year there. We will buy and sell. We will make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Man, he's got great plans. I tell you where I'm doing. I'm going to Citronelle and I'm going to work there for a year buying and selling and making a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Anybody here that can tell me everything that's going to happen tomorrow? No. For what is your life? It is even as a vapor who appears for a little while and then it vanishes away man a vapor that appears for a little while I think God is trying to say you make plans you can make plans but you can also make them with this in mind if God wills if it got if God wills if God wills but really he says here you better not uh Make plans without talking to me about it. Because I'm going to tell you something. Your life's like a vapor that could vanish away. Instead, you ought to say, look what it says. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So, life is short. And we can't presume, be presumptuous about God. You know, I, I don't know why I thought about this. Presumption. Well, this guy was presuming that he's going to live a year and that he was going to go to a city and buy and sell. But I was thinking about the rich man. It just came to my mind. He said, man, I've had a great year. All my barns are full. All my barns are full. I need to make bigger barns. I'm going to make bigger barns, and I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat, and I'm going to drink, and I'm going to be merry. And God said, you fool. This night... Your soul will be required of you. He forgot one thing. He did not control his life. God did. He presumed on God. Now, don't you presume on God. I've got plenty of time, Brother Fred. I've got plenty of time. I, I know there's some things God wants me to do, but I, I'm planning on them in the future. Well, don't you presume on God. You better find out when God wants you to do it and do it. Well, not only does James tell us, but uh, I, I never uh, tire of reading Job's four, Job 14, 1 and 2. And notice what James 14, 1 and 2 says. No, excuse me. Uh, it's Job 14, 1 and 2. 
man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. If you think that's true, say amen. 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 You say, Brother Fred, you're kind of pouting because we have trouble. Oh, no, it's just a fact. It's a fact. Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of troubles. Now look what the rest of Job says. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. Boy, a flower can fade away quick. Good. You know, I love when people send flowers, you know. Uh, I'd rather have candy, but I love it when they send flowers. <laughs> but the only thing about the flower, you've got to keep watering it. And in about a week, you've got to throw it out. He said, your life comes forth like a flower. And fades away. He flees like a sh- it, he flees like a shadow, and does not continue. I will say this to you: You cannot afford to spend another night with the frogs. You cannot be another tomorrow person, because life is short, and your days are numbered. And so number your days that you may give your heart to wisdom. And so when you start thinking, well, I'll do it then, and you keep pushing it out there, and I'll do it then, and it's important, God's spoken to you, then I'm telling you, you're forgetting the fact, you're presuming on God, that life is brief, it is short. Well, here's a certain th- a second thing. While we cannot st- spend another night with the frogs, while we can't be a tomorrow man, not only is life short, but it's because of the uncertainty of life. Now, Brother Fred, you're kind of being negative. No, I'm just, I'm just saying, thank God for the life we've got. Thank God for the years we have. I have no gripe. No, I am not murmuring or complaining. But I'm simply stating the truth that life is short and that it is uncertain. It is. Now, have you ever thought about how uncertain life is? We do not know what a day will bring forth. We do not know. I, I can't tell you what a day will bring forth. I'll tell you what. If you want to know how uncertain life is, you get on Airport Boulevard at rush hour. <laughs> right when everybody's stacked up and everybody's in a hurry. And here comes some guy right on your bumper. And here comes another guy that goes past you going about 70 miles an hour. And you're saying, thank God I didn't move to the other lane. And then he gets up there and starts weaving in and out things. And, and, and it's absolutely insane. And I'm telling you, you take your life into your own hands when you get on Airport Boulevard at rush hour. You say, Brother Fred, whoever designed that road must have been drunk. I agree with you. I'm serious. Man, every time I get in my car, and I'm praying, Lord, don't let me be doing the one doing the wrecking. But, I I mean, honestly, I, I realize, hey, this is crazy. It's uncertain. The way people drive, the way people live, hey, all the person's got to do is cross a yellow line. All the person's got to do is be driving drunk. Every time I go down uh, Schillinger's, I come to that Wendy's, and I see the cross and the flowers for the mother who was sitting in her car and the guy who, I don't know whether, whether it was because of illness but was on drugs and other thing, jumped the curb and hit her and killed her in the parking lot of Wendy's. Don't you know she thought she was safe there? I'm saying to you, we can't be tomorrow, people. We've got to do today 
what God t- I, t- tells us to. Now, I didn't say you've got to do today what you think you ought to do. You've got to do today what God tells you to do. That means you've got to be listening to God. But I am telling you, life is uncertain. You never know when you've got a malignant cell in your body. You don't ever know that. You, you know when you have chest pains. I'd much rather have chest pains than a malignant cell that I don't know is in my body. But you never know that. Many times people have gone into the hospital for another thing and running the test, they found a malignancy somewhere else in their body. They would have never known it if they hadn't run that test. It would just continued to grow. And so I'm telling you, we have security in Jesus. We have security in Jesus. But we've got to understand that life is full of uncertainty. You know, We never know when death will knock at our door. But all we have to do is to be ready. You know, I, I grew up um, on Main Street in Rock Hill. Main Street in Rock Hill was a two-lane road. It was paved, thank God. And um, I could cut through the backyard of my, our house and go to, to uh, the uh, Kills Avenue. And there lived a man named Hal, Harold Severance. It was called Hal Severance. And I watched him as a young man, and he kind of became uh, one of my heroes. He went on, he went on to become an all-Southern running back for the Rock Hill Bearcats. Was already outgone, had gone early to the University of South Carolina and would probably have started as a freshman. He was a brilliant, brilliant uh, athlete. But you know, he came home from the school, and he and a friend of his named Sonny Davis decided to go out to the Catawba River. And there are rocks that go across the Catawba River, and they decided to walk on those rocks across. And it was kind of shallow there. But you know what happened to Hal? He slipped on a rock, and he hit his head. And he disappeared upon under the water, and he died. I remember two days later, I was about 14, and I walked to a, into Bass Funeral Home. And I looked down into his face, dead at 21. And I said to myself, well, really, I don't know what I said to myself, but I know one thing. It devastated me that here was a life that was cut short. But you know, I pray to God that'll never happen to us or our loved ones. But do not live your life like you're immortal. And do not live your life like things always happen to someone else. You have to be prepared whatever a day brings forth. And by living tomorrow and doing tomorrow what God wants you to do today... You are forgetting the uncertainty of life. But there's another reason we don't need to spend another night with the frogs. The brevity of life, the uncertainty of life, but the danger of delay. The danger of delay. And this is particularly about when God speaks to us. I want to give you an example of how God deals with unsaved people. 
Here's a man or a woman or a teenager or a college student who is not a believer. They're not a believer. They're not saved. But God speaks to them. And he speaks to them through circumstances, through other people. And God speaks to them. And, and God's dealing with them. And they know. They, they may not know it's exactly God, but they know something's going on in their life. But I want you to listen to what the Bible says if we don't heed, heed when God speaks to us. And the reason we cannot be a tomorrow person is because of the danger of delay. All right, listen to this verse. Proverbs 29, 1. He who is often rebuked, God has rebuked him many times, and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. I wonder when a person that God has dealt with a person and dealt with a person and dealt with a person and spoke to their hearts and, and God has been trying to draw them, God trying to, to, to touch their lives and to bring them into the security in Christ, but they've just refused to listen and refused to do what God says. And it says, well, here, I'm, I'm telling you, it's bad to put off to tomorrow when God speaks to you. He that is often rebuked, and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. You know that could you know that could also happen to a believer. Did you know that? It's called the chastening hand of God. But then there's the sin unto death. I never will forget this. I hadn't planned on telling this, but I'm going to tell it. This was a believer. He was probably one of the most well-known people in religious circles among Baptists. But uh, he fell into immorality or made a choice to be immoral and left his position, went to a church, and uh, continued his lifestyle and eventually was out of a church and started working for a religious organization that was selling things to churches. And, and, and so he was coming through Mobile, and he called me and said, uh, uh, this is so-and-so, and I knew exactly who I knew him. I knew his name well. I never spent any time with him. But, boy, he was just arrogant on the phone. He was arrogant. And you could tell he was just full of pride. I said, my Lord, is he never going to learn what God, how God deals with his children? I said, if he dies in this condition, he wasn't saved. Because God's not going to let him continue. Because he was, I, I'm telling you, he was almost vulgar. And talking to me on the phone. And it was just awful. And I, I, I wondered. I said, well, if he's saved, it'd probably be good he'd go ahead and die. Because if he lives in that condition, he wouldn't save. You know what? He was driving a, a, a new uh, Lincoln on the freeway in Houston, Texas. And the tire had a blowout. And he had to pull over to the side. And an 18-wheeler came down and got too close to him and hit him and killed him on the, on the freeway at Houston. I said, well, that may be good. Maybe he was saved. Got fed, got fed up with him just absolutely making light of the gospel of Christ. Maybe he committed the sin under death. I don't know. But I'm telling you, we cannot be tomorrow people when God speaks to our heart 
about things, whether we need to repent or to be restored. We cannot do that. There's another verse that says uh, in Genesis 3, 6, uh, it says, that is not the verse. It's 6, 3 maybe. Go to chapter 6, verse 3 and see if that's what it is. Well, anyway, let me tell you what that verse says. It says this. Uh, He says, the Spirit of God will not, here it is, Genesis 6, 3. I just reversed it in my brain. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. You know, there comes a time when a person refuses the gospel, refuses Jesus, that God says, okay, I'll let you alone. Boy, that's dangerous, isn't it? He said, my spirit will not always strive with a man. And there comes a time when you make some choices and say, I'll I'll do it later, Lord. Or maybe in your heart you say, well, I really am not going to do it later. God says, I'm going to tell you there's going to come a time when I won't strive with you. I'll just let you go. I've seen it happen over and over again. And so I'm saying to you, we cannot continue to spend another night with the frogs because of the danger of delay. In and, and Hebrews 3.12, it says, and, and beware, brethren. Now, watch this. It's taught, written, written. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He warns us. He said, now, when God speaks, don't, don't. Don't, don't depart from the living God. And it says, beware lest your heart be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. A hardened heart. So, we've got to think about the danger of delay. You know, there are two people in the Bible that are examples. Real examples of being a tomorrow person. And putting off till tomorrow what God wants you to do today. And one of them was named Agrippa. And Agrippa had Paul, uh, had heard of Paul, and the, the Jews wanted to put him to death. So they brought him before Agrippa, and Agrippa said, well, you tell me why they have brought you. And Paul gave him his entire testimony, his entire testimony of how he was when he was lost, how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and how he was born again. And so in talking uh, to Agrippa, he knew Agrippa knew a lot about what had happened to him, and he, and he knew some of the Bible. And he said, therefore, King, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. What God told me to do, I did. And you know that. And he says, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem, throughout the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, this was Paul's message, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works preventing repentance. And then uh, you go on, and I want you to notice what Agrippa said. He asked Agrippa, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And listen to what King Agrippa said. This is what I call passing opportunity. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Almost. Boy, he got close. He got close. But he said, you almost persuaded me. He had, a pass, he had a time of passing conviction and a time of passing opportunity. And he put it off. 
He delayed. He lived another night with the frogs. And with my eye, I don't know if he ever, 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 ever got right with Jesus. I don't know that. But you see, almost. I remember we used to sing that song in church, Almost Persuaded, Now to Believe. Almost Persuaded, Christ to Receive. Seems now some soul today, go Savior, go your way. And some more convenient day on you I will call. But there's another person just like Agrippa. And his name was Felix. And we see in Acts chapter 24, verse 24. And and Felix asked for Paul to come and to talk to him about the Bible and explain to him the scriptures. And, And he was really interested in what Paul's encounter. And then he got under conviction, Felix did. And I want you to notice what he said. After some days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish... He sent for Paul and heard him concerning his faith in Christ. So Paul told him about his faith in Jesus, how he had been changed and transformed. After some days, when Felix came with the wife, Priscilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning faith in Christ. And then the next verse. And it's supposed to be verse 25. Let me see. Oh, uh, um. Oh, I know it's in that verse. It's in verse 25. Okay. So now Paul reasoned with Felix, presented the gospel. Now look at verse 25. As he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix was afraid. He got under conviction, y'all. He knew God was speaking to him. Felix was afraid and said, go away for now. When I have a more convenient time, I will call for you. Agrippa said, almost, Paul. But he put it off till tomorrow. As far as I know, he never got saved, never got right with God. And here's Felix. Man, he got close. He got under conviction. Fear of God came on him. And he said, I know, not now. I I, I tell you what, go away for now. When I have a more convenient time, I will call for you. Let me tell you one thing. If you are are spending another night with the frogs, and when you're telling God, I'll do what you're telling me to do at a more convenient time, the devil will see that you never have a convenient time. He'll see to it. It'll never be convenient. He'll just say, well, this is not the time for you. This is not the time. You've got things to do. And he'll see to it that you never have a convenient time. So here's the point I'm trying to say to you. Every day is the only day we're promised of. And we need to listen to God's voice through his word and by his spirit every day. And what God works in us, we are to work out by the power of the Holy Spirit with fear and trembling. Because this is a matter of obeying God. Now, I'm going to close by just telling you some things you need to think about. The Bible says we warn every person. All right, now, I want you to think about this. Has God been speaking to you about some situations where you work that you need to deal with? It may be something that you're not doing right. It may be something that someone else in the 
place of work is not doing right. It may be something wrong with the place you're working. But God has spoken to you and said, now you, need to, you, you, need, you, don't, you don't need to live with this. You need to deal with this. And the devil will say, well, what will be the outcome? You may lose your job. You know, you know, you know, the devil will just tell you lies. But I'll tell you something. If God has burdened you about something at your job, then I believe you need to work out what God's worked in. And you need to listen to him and do what he tells you. Well, what about, what about your family? Has God been speaking to you about your son and what you need to do in his life? So maybe some words of correction or some words of encouragement. Maybe God's been speaking to you that you need to build a relationship. But you know, Lord, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I, I'm going to do that. I need to spend some time. I need to do. I know there's something you want me to impart to my son. But I'm going to do it tomorrow. Well, you can sleep another night with the frogs if you want to. But it ain't going to be good. Well, what about um, your marriage? Instead of going closer together, you know, um, well, when you first get married, everything, you know, uh, most 90% of the time, I've known people that had a knockdown drag out on their honeymoon. But anyway, most of the time, most of the time, you know, it's, it's a honeymoon. It's, it's a, a period of time, you know, and everything's going well. But then everything starts, uh, you know, just drifting. Everything becomes different. Maybe a child's been born. And so your lifestyle has changed. Maybe the pressure at work is great. And God is saying, you know, now y'all are drifting away from each other. You, you, you're drifting. And that's not good. Now, y'all have built some walls. And you, not gonna, they're not going to come down unless you're willing to deal with it yourself. And pray with me, pray to me, and ask me for guidance. And then you deal with those walls. You deal with them. It may be with your son or daughter that they are wayward and they are not, uh, they're living for themselves and God tells you there's some things you need to do, then you need to do it. But I don't want to hurt them. Well, they're already hurting. So I'm saying in the everyday things of life, whether it be at work, with your family, your son or your daughter, and with your marriage, don't, don't let it keep going till it gets to the place that is irreparable. Now, I don't think anything is in irreparable. There are some places people cross the line, and only God knows what that is. But it's, 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 you don't wait till the big thing comes up. Don't wait till the big thing comes up. I just want to say this to, to the men and women in this place. All right, so, so let's say that... Um, your wife is uh, home taking care of the kids where she ought to be. And she loves the children and she's raising them and, 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 and blessing them. She's providing a safe home, a place of security. And, uh, you know, you come home and she's just wore out. And she doesn't look like she just stepped out of a magazine because she's been wrestling with those kids and that dog all day long. But, oh, you've been working with this lady that... Boy, she looks like she stepped out of Southern living. And boy, she's beautiful and got her hair fixed. And, and you think, well, boy, my wife used to look like that. 
And you, you, you find yourself drawn to her, and you find up striking a conversation, and you think, maybe, maybe I didn't make the right choice. No, you're being stupid what you're doing. You're being stupid. Here's your wife home trying to survive, taking care of the kids and the dog, and you're up there working with this woman that has spent all day primping to come to work. I mean, give me a break. You better not deal with those thoughts for one minute. Some, I'm, telling, I'm talking to somebody in here today. I don't know who it is because I hadn't set, planned on saying this. But I'm telling you right now, you better turn, ask God to turn your affection back towards your wife. And I'm just saying to you, do not, do not neglect when your marriage is in trouble. Do not do that. You have to deal with it. And you say, well, I'm going to do it tomorrow. No, you won't. You're going to put it off as long as you can. And you better stop it. Because God will speak to you if this is something you need to do. And you need to do it. You know, um, there are a couple other things. Sometimes um, you're dealing with a deep, dark secret known only to you and God. It may be some besetting sin. Or it could be something else. But, but it's inside and you're dealing with it. And you don't know who to talk to about it. You've talked to God about it. You've talked to Jesus about it. You've talked to the word. You've read the word of God. But it's, it's almost like. You're alone in a dark place. And you really don't know what to do. With this thing in your life. That is paralyzing you. I'll tell you what you need to do. Once you bring it out into the light, the devil can't threaten you with it anymore. So if there's something that you say, I can't work this out, I've tried, I've prayed. And then you know somebody that you can trust. And you know somebody that loves Jesus more than they love you. And God speaks to you and says, you know, you don't need to carry this by yourself. You, you, you need to go talk to somebody about this. And let's get this thing out of the darkness. And let's get it in the light. And that way the devil can't threaten you with it anymore. And get that person to pray with you. And they're not supposed to go talk to about somebody else about it. It's just between you and them. But it's, it's a hard place to have something that, that's eating at you. And, 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 and you've got it. You, you just you, you don't know what to do about it. I'll tell you what. The Bible talks about there's wisdom in many counselors. And so I'm saying to you, don't, don't be a, spend another night with the frog. Eventually, you're going to have to deal with that. And all I'm saying, don't just keep putting it off till tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Listen, once it comes out into the light, the devil can't threaten you with it anymore. Oh, I, I, hey, I know my brother knows that, and he's praying for me. And I don't have to be afraid of that. And so you, and, and, and some of you... Um, have made some bad choices financially. A lot of you had hospital bills you hadn't expected. A lot of you have had um, uh, some bad choices uh, with, your, with your finances. And you just made unwise choices financially and you're struggling. I've made a lot of unwise uh, choices with my finances over the years. Thank God for Social Security. But I, I'm, I'm just saying that I've just made some bad choices. 
I never was satisfied. It's called the lust of the eyes. There's automobiles and boats. My wife told me, if you had all the money you'd lost on automobiles and boats, we'd never have to worry about a thing. And you know what? She was right. But I wouldn't listen to anybody. But no matter why you're struggling financially, find, get somebody to help you work it out, get a budget. Don't let that defeat you. Many times divorce, the main uh, problem with divorce is because they can't work with their finance. They have arguments all the time about finances, all the time. And money becomes the ruler of the house. And they got more going out than coming in. And they're both living under stress. I'll tell you what, that'll knock the props out of a marriage. See, but you've got to deal with it now. You say, will it get better? It's not going to get better until you deal with it. All I'm saying is God wants to work in you the things that you need so you can work them out. And he wants you to do it now. He doesn't want you to do it tomorrow. You know, um, some of you have not really gotten released from bitterness and unforgiveness. And you still struggle with it. Well, don't live with it. Don't deal with it. You make a choice. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a choice. You choose to forgive. And God will give you the power. Forgiveness doesn't mean approval. Jesus forgave you and didn't approve of one of your sins. But see, some people still struggle. that They're mourning over the past and the hurt. God had one son without sin. He had no sons and daughters without suffering. So you got to deal. And God wants you to deal with the bitterness and unforgiveness now. Not five weeks from now. Now. Maybe... Um, you know a brother or sister who's in trouble, a, a Christian, it's obvious. And God tells you, you know, you, you, you need to call her. There's a lady, and a lady, you need to, this lady, you need to call her. And as a lady friend, you need, need to let her know that you are concerned about her and that you want to help bear her burden. In Galatians 6, it, one, 1 and 2, it says, if a brother or sister be overtaken with a fall, you who are spiritual, restore them in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself as you be tempted. If a person is overtaken in any fault, then it says, bear one another's burdens. Recently, one of our members called me and said, Brother Fred, I've had a heavy burden, a heavy burden for this man. And I, 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 can't, get, I can't get rid of it. I can't get rid of it. So he said, I, I tell you what I've got to do. I have got to call him. And I have got to share my heart with him. And I don't know how he'll take it, but God is speaking to me. And you know, he did. At first, the person refused it. And then God began to speak to him. And guess, the person who called him began to cry. And the person on the other end of the phone began to cry. And this, young man, this man came to repentance and realized that he had been totally wrong in what he was doing. He received now, what if this brother, God told him in burden, and what if he had never called him? He'd still be in the pit. He'd still be going the wrong direction. All I'm saying to you is this. We have to be able to hear what God is saying to us. It may be while we're reading the Bible. It may be through circumstances. But we just know it's God. And God says to you, 
I want you to do that. I want you to take care of that. Then you need to do that that day. You need to do it that day. But now he may, he may give you a, a number of things that you need to deal with. I don't know which one of these things I mentioned is for you, but you know which one is. Now you know, just as sure as I'm standing here, which one of these things I mentioned that God wants you to deal with. And I'm telling you that because I want you to be free. And I want you to know what it is to have an abundant life. Oh, I, that, that's my passion. To warn you so that you can go on with Jesus. And you can be the person that God redeems you to be. So listen for God's voice. And what God works in, then you work out with fear and trembling. And do not keep delaying. Do not keep living another night with the frogs.